Good morning, friends. So great to have a second service. Uh, you know, the first service was about as full as we could accommodate and keep it safe. So we're so glad you guys came to the second service. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Hey, um, how good are you guys at keeping secrets? I mean, if I whispered a secret to you, could you keep it? And you guys online, shh. We, do you remember we did a Church of the Holy Spirit EP? Do you remember that? And we actually play it every Sunday when people are coming in. We play it online. Um, we have a second one coming out. It's going to be an album. And it's going to be Bluegrass. Who would know? And we're going to feature um, Aiden Young on banjo, Blaine, little Blaine, 10 year old Blaine on um, mandolin, and a few other friends. We're going to have a, a Bluegrass album. There'll be a couple ripping songs, but a lot of it's going to be gospel bluegrass. And I got to share with my mom before she died. I said, Mom, we're going to do this, and I really want to do it in honor of you because she was a singer, and she came to love Jesus Christ. And um, you guys can look forward to that. And if you hate bluegrass, don't worry. In the first part of uh, 2021, we're going to put together a, a hymns album. And hopefully I would ask you guys to submit, submit hymns that you love. We may or may not use it. We can't record them all. But if there's some, um, you know, some idea of like these, these are the hymns people really want to hear, those probably will be the ones we do. So I would encourage you guys, send it to Quig Lawrence at Gmail or Kim W at Church of the Holy Spirit, uh, what is it, at CHS Roanoke, Kim W at CHS Roanoke. All right, can we start a sermon with a prayer and then we'll hit it? All right. Father, thank you for your word. Father, we come here in need to learn from you and have you speak to us. Father, Help me and help us not to apply this word to everyone else. May the Holy Spirit apply it to us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You guys, we are in Matthew 9, and we'll begin at verse 35. If you have a Bible, if you have a smartphone, whatever you have, any way you can get to the scriptures is great. Matthew 9, 35. It says this, it says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And so what I want to do is I want to break down this into just a couple simple, straightforward parts so that you can grab hold of those and hopefully allow the Holy Spirit to apply it to you, to speak words of life to you. Like, seriously, we could all just stay in bed if we just want to hear a lot of platitudes. I don't know about you, but I need to hear from the Lord. In fact, I need it so much, I have to come to both services. So, let's see, what, let's see what's going on here with Jesus. Jesus went through all the cities and villages. Jesus went through all the cities and villages. You know, the Bible recounts that Jesus had no place to lay his head. And the reason is because he, he was on mission. He didn't, he didn't hide in his bunker. He, didn't, he wasn't like the Pharisees who stood at the temple in their long flowing robes. No. Jesus worked. He worked. He was about the Father's business. He was not lazy. He was on a mission, come be the Lamb of God, to give his life, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God that you could be a son or a daughter, and to bring a new kingdom. And so we see here, uh, Jesus went through all the cities and villages, little unincorporated places. You know those places that they have like 
40 people in them or 100 people, unincorporated town places, that's where Jesus went. He wanted everybody to hear the good news of the coming kingdom, right? He's not trying to hide from people. He's not trying to keep it a secret. And so we see him journeying. We see him working about the Father's business in every place all over Palestine. And that's great. But what was he doing as he was going to these cities and villages? Was he just visiting? What was he doing? Hi, I'm Jesus. I came to can have abundant life. Maybe. Why, what was he doing? Well, the Bible here tells us. It says as Jesus went through the cities and villages, one of the primary things he did is, is that he taught in their synagogues. He was teaching the people the word of God. I was laughing this morning because I printed my sermon five times. Five times. Now, I'm not the smartest guy when it comes to technology, but I'm sitting there in front of the computer, and I tuned up all my notes, and I printed it. And Annette brought them to me, and I got them here, and I'm like, oh, no, that was what was on Monday. I've done so much work since then. These are the wrong notes. And then, so after the first service, I ran to my office. I'm like, we can fix this. We can fix it. And so I went to my computer, and I'm like, I, I, I redo all the notes out of my head. I redo all my notes to get them the way they're supposed to be, and I print three copies. One is a PDF, one is something else, yada, yada, yada. I go to the printer to come here, and you know what was on that piece of paper? I had one that was blank, and then I had another one that had the original wrong manuscript. How does that happen? And see, what I think is the Lord sometimes says, you know what? When I was in these synagogues teaching, I didn't have any notes. I didn't have any notes. I taught from the scriptures. I had a friend. I do have a friend, Bob Widmeyer. You may know him. He's a retired orthopedic surgeon. And uh, as he was wrapping up his practice, he began to, uh, to um, be an expert witness in these cases. And he was in court one day, and uh, a lawyer was, was grilling him. And that's the lawyer's job, you know, to, to, to kind of go at it, the expert witness. And the lawyer said, well, Dr. Widmeyer, you don't even have any notes. And Widmeyer's so quick. He goes, sir, when you tell the truth, you don't need any notes. So we're going to see if that works today. We do have the Bible. So Jesus, going through all the cities and villages, he was teaching in their synagogues. He was teaching the word of God. And what I would say, if that was important in Jesus' day in the synagogue, how much more important today in our churches? You know, you can always talk bad of this church and that church or our church. But the question is, is this church and is any church teaching their people the word of God? Are we teaching the people the word of God? I know what it is to grow up in a church and sit in a pew for decades and never hear a clear presentation of the gospel, to, to, to know things like, you know, you wear white for baptism, but I didn't know the scriptures. I didn't know the scriptures. And so we see it's, it's both descriptive and prescriptive. Descriptive and prescriptive. Here, uh, Matthew is describing, you know what descriptive is, he's describing what Jesus did. But it's more than that. It's not only telling us what Jesus did, it's also telling us, I believe, what we as followers of Jesus in his kingdom should be about. And so from this I take that ju just as Jesus went through all the cities and villages to all the little podunk places to share the gospel so that everyone could hear, everyone deserves to hear the good news of the kingdom, 
so we also should learn from Jesus because it's not just descriptive, it's prescriptive. God is telling us we need to get about the kingdom. Do you believe people are perishing? I do. The scriptures do. And he is going to use us as his ambassadors to tell people be reconciled to God, to give them a hope, to introduce them to the king and his kingdom. And so, and so yes, we go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, but we also have a job. If, if you're a Christian, you have to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. Sometimes I think it's the biggest secret in the world. I'm amazed. I know preachers that never lead anybody to Christ. It's amazing. I, I, I'm shocked. You should, any other job, if they had your job and they didn't do your job, you'd be fired. But they're preachers who can stand here in their robes and be fancy and talk nice little things, but they never share the word of God. They never challenge. They just tickle you, right? They, 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 they tickle you with all kinds of cleverness, but they don't bring you to the word of God. They don't bring you to the kingdom. And so we see Jesus doing this. He's teaching the word of God, and he's in the synagogues. You know, interesting thing. Do you know what a synagogue is? Do you know what it is? A synagogue is actually when 10 or more Jewish men over the age of 13 come together to worship together and to pray together. And what happens if you don't have a synagogue building? Maybe you're poor in that unincorporated town place. What happens if you don't have a building? Can you still have a synagogue? You betcha, because the synagogue was never the building. It's the, it's the people, the worshipers. And so since March, as we would come in here and we'd do our, um, what do you call that thing we were doing online? Yeah, yeah. Yes, Facebook Live. We were doing Facebook Live, and nobody was here. But what I realized is, I, it really dawned on me, seven days a week I'd walk through the church, it's just empty, like a ghost town. And what I really realized, again, is that this building is not the church. Y'all are the church. You're the church. You're the one that God is building into a holy priesthood. You're the one that he's building into the kingdom. And so we see Jesus going to the synagogue. He's, he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. If it was important for Jesus to do that, how much more for us? It's not simply descriptive, it's prescriptive. How much bang is God getting for his buck? For all these sheep, little wayward sheep like us that he's rescued, he's gone to find and pulled into his bosom and made us a son or daughter. He's given us everything we need. We lack nothing. We have everything we need for life and godliness. And, and the most amazing thing is he says, you know what? I'm going to use you for my kingdom. I'm going to use regular people like you for my glory. Not, not to us. Not to us. But to your name be the glory, God. Isn't it amazing? Have you ever been on a sports team and you, you weren't a starter? Now, I had my glory days on one sport, but in football, I sat on the bench. The guy in front of me was 6'4", 220, and back in, back in the day when I played, that was a big running back. And you know what I did? When we would do our exercises before the game, you know, we stretch and do all that kind of stuff, I would purposefully slide in the grass and the mud so my uniform wouldn't be white at the end of the game. That was humiliating. The great news is that a Christian is not a spectator sport. You're never meant to be on the bench. There's no place to be on the bench. God wants all of us to be about him and his kingdom and to have the joy. Imagine the joy. It's not some onerous duty. The joy 
of being engaged for the kingdom and the king. And so the question is, if we're going to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, maybe we need to understand what is the gospel. If somebody were to come and put something to your head and say, okay, Christian, what's the gospel? I think about 70% of the Christians in the world would have no idea how to share the gospel. I want to give you an assignment right now. Your assignment this week, and if you want to tape it uh, or you want to do a voice memo or a video and send it to me, I'm thinking sometime about putting together people from not just our church but also from Rwanda and different places, our church planners. I am so-and-so, follower of Jesus Christ, here's the gospel, and we actually state it. Could you do that? If not, don't beat yourself up, but it's time to put on your big boy pants and your big girl pants and to learn the gospel. Could I take you to a verse real quick? Let's say that you say, Quig, you know, there's so many things. I couldn't possibly share the gospel. Could you share the scriptures? Could you share one? Because non-believers don't want a Gatlin gun. They don't want a hundred scriptures. Like, they don't know them. I want you to turn, if you will, to Titus 3. Titus 3. Listen to what Titus says. This is the gospel. This is the heart of the gospel message. It says this. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, and led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. In other words, before Christ entered our lives, before Christ grabbed us, this was the reality of our condition. And some of us know this really personally. This is our story. This was our song, right? This was our story. This was our song. Passing our days in malice and envy, being hated by others, hating one another, foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. And that's the reality. But then here comes the gospel. Here it comes. Here it comes. It says, but when the goodness, when the goodness and kindness, uh, loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, God saved us. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. He saved us not because of works done by us, but according to his own, according to his own mercy, mercy. God did this amazing thing when we were just so lost. We did not know our left hand from our right hand. We didn't love him. We didn't live for the king and his kingdom. We lived for ourselves and our kingdom or the kingdoms of this world. The Lord enters in and has mercy. He came not to condemn, but to save. He was the one who called you. You didn't, you didn't get smart. You didn't figure him out. The Lord in his mercy sent the Holy Spirit into your life so you would know the Father. He pulled the blinders off. And so the gospel is he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, he washed us. He made us regenerate or gave us a new birth and renewed us by the Holy Spirit. And he poured his spirit out richly on us through Jesus Christ so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs of hope of eternal life. Friends, that's, a, that's one of the clearest summaries of the gospel. If you don't like Titus, go to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. It is by grace you are saved through Faith. It's by grace, unmerited favor. It's not that you stop doing these things and God will love you or you start doing these things and he'll love you. No, 
It is a gift. And until you realize it is a pure, pure gift, you'll never know the gospel. It's by grace you are saved through faith. And this not of yourself. It is the gift of God. And so, friends, that is the gospel. Turn back real quick to Matthew Matthew 9. So, again, Jesus was teaching. He was proclaiming what? Not, he was proclaiming the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. And it, and it says he was healing every disease and affliction. Every disease and affliction. I love this verse. And I love it and it troubles me. I love it and it troubles me. It says Jesus, as he went through all the cities, he healed every disease. And what was the other part? Every disease and every affliction. Do you, do you believe that? Did Jesus heal blind people? Uh-huh. Did Jesus heal lame people that had been lame or blind, blind or lame from birth? Did he, did he heal those people? Yes. How about people that were caught up in adultery or people that had demons in them? How about even people that had died? Did Jesus heal them? And so what this scripture is, is saying is he has the authority and the power to heal every single disease on the planet. There's nothing the Lord can't heal. And yet the reality is, you got to be careful when you take this verse. You can't just see, see, Jesus heals every disease and affliction. Well, if that were true, nobody would ever die. And we know that not everyone in Israel in the day of Jesus, not everyone was healed. Some people died. Some people got sick. And so what I want to say this morning is if you have an illness, a sickness, I got a bad hip, what about y'all? If you have an illness or a sickness, I do want to proclaim to you that Christ is a healer. Jesus Christ is a healer. I have been supernaturally healed. I've been healed so many times. I remember having a tear in my rotator cuff and I went to the doctor and surgery was scheduled. They'd done a dye test. And then I come back right before the surgery. The doctor says, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. I'm like, no, doc, it hurts so much when they pump that fluid into my space. He said, no, we're going to do it. And then when he did it, he looked at the second, uh, I don't know, it was like some kind of gram or whatever, doc. I don't know what it is. One of those tests y'all do, you know. And when he, when he saw it, the tear was healed. It was objective. It was science. It was right there. One of the tests showed a tear in the rotator cuff. The other one showed healed. Surgery canceled. And so we know that God heals. And so if you're struggling today, what I would say is come boldly to the throne of grace, whatever it is you're, you're suffering with. It could be something with your bones. It could be cancer. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. It could be hopelessness. And what the scripture proclaims is that the Lord has authority and the love and the ability to heal every type of disease and illness. And if you're in a place where you have asked the Lord to heal you and you've not yet been healed, what I would say is keep asking. Be like that persistent widow who just wears the, the Lord out. Ask him, ask him, ask him. But ultimately, like Habakkuk, the prayer of faith is not saying, you know, in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. The real prayer of faith is to say, Father, this is my request. This is my request. But like Jesus said in the garden, not my will be done, Lord. Your will be done. You be glorified, Father. And so we know Jesus is a healer, but not everyone healed. Because ultimately, even the people that were healed in Jesus' day, what happened to them? Blind Bartimaeus, what happened to him? Did he eventually die? 
They all eventually died. Even Lazarus, the one Jesus raised from the dead. Amazing, powerful, faith builder. But you know what happened? Eventually Lazarus died. And so Jesus' mission was not primarily to heal people, though he did. His his mission was to save people, to make them sons and daughters, to free them from bondage of sin, to make them his own. So my question today is, do you want to be healed in that way? Do you want to be healed in that way? We go on. It says in verse 36, oh, we got to really go fast. It says, when he saw the crowds, you know, Christians may repel non-believers. Jesus drew them. He drew them in. Almost everywhere in the Gospels you see Jesus went, what do you see? You see crowds. You never have to be ashamed of Christ. You can be ashamed of, you know, the bookstore Christian and the, the bumper stickers and all that stuff, all that religion stuff. But you never, ever need to be ashamed of Jesus. Jesus draws people. He drew crowds. And as he saw the crowd, what did the Lord do? What happened in the Lord's heart? You need to know this about your Savior. As he saw the crowds, what did he say? It says, well, before he said anything, what? As he saw the crowds, the scripture recounts that Jesus had compassion. I remember Ash Ashburn, a young life leader, actually did the word study there, and the word in Greek is splagnizomai. Oh, boy, that clears that one up. Splagnizomai. What that word means is from the innermost part of his being, almost down in his gut, in his gut, the Lord was so burdened to see people that he loved that were harassed like sheep without a shepherd. His heart literally broke. His heart broke so much that he was willing to go to the cross and die uh, to be the Lamb of God to pay for your sin. And as he looked out, he had compassion. Do you know that about Christ, people? Do you know that about Christ? Do you know he's a compassionate God? Have you ever stood under his compassion? If not, I would suggest that maybe... Just maybe you don't know him. If you have not tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if you've never seen the Father's heart or the compassion of Christ, what I would say is um, maybe, just maybe, you don't know. The God that you think he is is not the God he is. He is a God of compassion. Are you harassed and helpless? Are you harassed right now? Some here are Christians today. Some are not. Some of y'all. Christians, some are not. The Lord has compassion. He wants to draw you in because he knows without him you are harassed. The devil, the sin, the flesh, and the devil are harassing you. They're beating you down. They're crushing you. And the Lord says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will, I will give you rest. Would you enter his rest? Would you come to him? And then finally to close, He says to his disciples, he says, you know what? He says, guys, the harvest is plentiful. There's so many lost people. There's so many lost people. God's got a lot of churches and a lot of synagogues, but he's also got a lot of lost people. And a lot of them sit in the churches and the synagogues. And the Lord here, he's saying, he's saying, I know you're harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd, but I have compassion on you. But I also want to use you. Those of you who have put on the Lord Jesus, I want you to look out and see so many people are perishing. I want you to have my heart for the lost. 
Seriously, church, can we wake up? Quick, can you wake up? Come on, wake up. It's time to get about the Father's business, and this is not burdensome. This is one of the greatest joys, businessmen, businesswomen. It's one of the greatest joys of your life to be used by the King of kings and the Lord of lords to bring lost, harassed, and helpless people to a knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. And so if you want to know who Jesus is, he's a God who goes through the cities and the villages. He's a God that teaches the word of God. He's one that, that, uh, that brings healing. He's a God who has compassion. And he's the God who puts us on mission. If you're not on mission, if you're just keeping your faith a big little secret from everybody, what I would say is you are cheating yourself. You are missing a blessing, untold blessings in your life. The Lord wants to use you. Get in the game. Get off the bench. Friends, it's much more fun to be in the game. The Lord's calling you to get in the game. If I was the Lord, I'd be like, hey, y'all need to get off. Get going. But the Lord calls you. Would you be about the Father's business? Would you be about the Father's business? They are harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And the amazing thing is that God would use somebody like you and me to bring them to Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.